Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 15, coming at you on Wednesday, June 9th. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined, as always, by Matt Nine. We are down one Andrew Woodruff and one Sam Ehrman today, but we've got another scout, Chance Hopkins, joining us. Uh, He's been on the show before, so no introduction needed. We are going to get into the Julio Jones trade today, the effect that it's had on or that it will have on Julio himself, as well as the Titans offense and the ripple effect for the Falcons offense. Of course, we are going to discuss Aaron Rodgers and Jordan love. What should you be doing with those guys? Where are we valuing them currently as we stand today? And then a term we've been hearing a lot of in the industry running back dead zone. We are going to get into that and share some of our favorite running backs within that dead zone. Let's get into it. start off talking about the big NFL news this week Julio Jones if you haven't heard first of all get out from under the rock second of all Julio Jones is headed to Tennessee I did see today he's gonna wear number two Uh, Chance told me he would wear one or eight so Chance is wrong don't listen to him just kidding this is uh we're, we all uh, we invited him on the podcast but we invited him on the podcast so don't take anything he says seriously (laughs) I don't even know where the number two comes from. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I thought that was a really weird choice. I thought for sure he'd wear eight in college. Well, eight Alabama, and then when he was coming into the league, he wanted to wear number one. Okay, that's where that came from. So, Chance, really good uh, educated guess on your part. Keep doing that. Keep up the good work. Uh, But, no, he's going to wear number two, which is going to be weird to see Julio in a blue Tennessee Titans number two jersey. But a loss we have to discuss his value in Tennessee and how he affects his new teammates in Tennessee. So Matt, why don't you start us off? How do you uh, see this playing out for Tennessee and and Julio? So my initial reaction was not really fantasy related. It was more of like, let's look at this from a real world perspective. Tennessee, I don't think is going to change their offense. I still think they're going to run through Derrick Henry uh, and then they're going to be one of the lower passing teams that what was it i think Corey said in the chat the other day they were the third is that right third or fourth lowest pass attempt team last year or past two years something like that so i still think they'll be in that bottom six ish range um but the, i feel like the titans know that they're good enough to get to the playoffs without having to do anything fancy run the ball play defense and then when they get to the playoffs it's that that's when julio jones comes in Because then at that point, they can open it up just a little bit more to keep the playoff teams a little more honest. Uh, From a fantasy perspective, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Like it's it's still going to be very efficient. I think AJ Brown is still top 15 guy. I think his, his ceiling is capped at least for this year or however long Julio is there. Um, Obviously Julio's ceiling is capped. Um, I think they're both probably top 24 guys. I think even though they were the lowest uh, in the bottom tier of passing volume teams, I believe they've scored the second most scrimmage touchdowns in the past two years combined out of in every team in the league, uh, which, which is an interesting stat. So 
there will be touchdowns there. I'm not entirely sure that the yardage will be there. I could definitely see games where it's like, you know, AJ Brown has hundred, 150 yards, but then Julio has, you know, 15 yards, but he scored both touchdowns, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I definitely like AJ Brown better as far as dynasty goes, just because he's younger, but in redraft, I think De- Julio definitely moves up the board or at least stays the same uh, here. Yeah. From a, from a fantasy perspective, I have to agree in that aspect. You know, the, the only player that I am going to fade more now is Matt Ryan, just because when Julio was not on the field. Matt Ryan recorded uh, all of his games with less than 10 fantasy points uh, in the last two years. And that was without Julio on the field. And I believe that was three or four games. Um, And whenever Julio was not on the field, no matter what the snap percentage was, you know, this is just 0% snap percentage. Uh, This last year, Matt Ryan averaged 15.7 points per game, which would have been QB 26 on a points per game basics or basis. You know, uh, obviously, Matt Ryan still has Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley, and that's huge for him. But he did lose a top five wide receiver of all time and a first ballot Hall of Famer, which is going to hurt. I've seen a lot of people, you know, say to move A.J. Brown down in your dynasty rankings. Uh, If you have him as your wide receiver, two or one, I guess, and whether you have him top five or not, I wouldn't move him. I don't really think this changes anything. Even in redraft, I don't think this changes anything for A.J. Brown. Um, It's definitely opening up the offense a lot more because you're not going to have the two best uh, corners or safeties or whatever the defense is planning to do with A.J. Brown uh, solely on A.J. Brown anymore. You know, you got Julio in there. Before the trade, you couldn't depend on Josh Reynolds or uh, Ferkser to really pull any decent coverage away from A.J. Brown. So now you have Julio. You got Derrick Henry, which maybe they stack the box. Uh, Matt, I see you have your hand raised, so I'll finish up real quick to let you talk. Um, But, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, you know, A.J. Brown stays the same. Julio Jones is getting a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill in every aspect of the game. Tannehill is 10 times better than Matt Ryan is, and I I think a lot of people can agree on that. Maybe not to the 10 times perspective, but that's a hill I'll die on. Um, And Matt Ryan's really the only person I'm fading, you know. Everyone else either has an upscale or if you're A.J. Brown, you're staying the same. So I I actually am going to move him down, I think – no more than two spots in the dynasty rankings. And here's why it's because Julio still has three years left on his contract. And we want talking to... about you're talking about moving AJ Brown, AJ down. Brown down. Yes. So, and, and, and the thing that always people say is when we look at dynasty, you want to look at the next two to three years out. So I think you have to move him down. Like right now I have DK as my wide receiver one and AJ Brown is my wide receiver two. So I'll probably move Tyreek back above AJ Brown. And then I have to, I don't remember who's in my four. It could be Justin Jefferson. Um, and move him up just because we know that that um, AJ Brown is going to be affected a little bit longer than than just one year. This isn't you know an expiring contract situation like Julio's getting paid I think at eighteen million to twenty million over the next uh, three years per season. So I think you have to move him down a little bit. But again, I feel like when we look at dynasty rankings, the top like eight wide receivers really that we have ranked, they're all studs. They all have an argument to be a wide receiver one. I just think the AJ Brown's value like comes down ever so slightly. And then another note that I think is interesting about this is that the success we've seen from the Titans over the last two years has been a lot because of the offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. Um, I am hesitant on this Titans offense because I, I wonder 
how much of it was Smith. Because prior to him getting there, Vrabel was still there. Tannehill was there. Henry was there. You know, they weren't bad, but they weren't great. Then Arthur Smith got there, and they became one of the most efficient offenses over the last two years. And as I mentioned before, have the second most scrimmage touchdowns over the past two seasons combined. So now what happens with Arthur Smith gone? you got the new guy in there, and I, I forget his name off the top of my head, but I just, I just wonder if he's going to be able to repeat that success that Smith had. And then interestingly enough, you know, as we you know, switch topics a little bit and you, know, you go down to Atlanta, you know, who's in Atlanta now with Ridley and, and Matt Ryan? Arthur Smith that is now the head coach down there. So it's kind of an interesting change here. That is interesting. Um, it is Todd Downing is the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. And okay. he What's his was an offensive, he was an offensive coordinator coordinator in the NFL for just one season with the Raiders in 2017. Uh, and then he was a tight ends coach with the Vikings, tight ends coach with the Titans, and now offensive coordinator with the Titans. I don't remember specifically uh you know how he was with Oakland, but I, I I do remember the name for his time there, and obviously he didn't last long. Um, I want to say he was replaced by Billy Musgraves, but anyways, obviously he didn't last long there. Um, but yeah, he'll be it'll be interesting to see how this Titans offense changes. Uh, for me, I I I have AJ Brown as as my wide receiver one in Dynasty. I will probably move him down just a few spots because. I think realistically, it, it probably does cap his ceiling just a little bit. I think he was looking at, you know, around 100, 150 targets before this trade, where now he's probably down, you know, 120, 130, somewhere in that range. So he's still going to be elite, but it probably does cap his ceiling just a little bit. Uh, it's wheels up for Tannehill. I do think it's interesting, or it will be interesting to see how Derrick Henry's affected his volume could come down a little bit if they air it out a bit more, but they're obviously still going to feed Henry and who knows, it might be more scoring opportunities for him as well. So he's the, he's the one that I have the most, I guess, questions about him. I'm kind of, what, what do you guys think? Say you own Derek Henry and dynasty. Are you as a contender, are you holding him? Are you trying to sell him? What are you doing with Derek Henry now? Real quick uh, to your Todd, ta- your Todd Downing point. I just looked him up, the offensive coordinator for the Raiders in 2017. Uh, they were bottom in the league in passing, uh, and they were middle of the pack in running. So okay. I don't, you know, we're talking about wide receivers here with Julio and A.J. Brown. I'm not entirely sure, you know, if this is going to be the best option for them. But we'll see. You know, it's been, what is it, three years now? So maybe something has changed. Maybe and it's for- And it's, I mean, these are – three uber right like i'm sure i'm sure the roster here in tennessee is a lot better than it was right so that's a you know that's a consideration but it will be interesting as for derrick henry though i'm in dynasty i'm i'm selling i was i was selling at the end of at the end of last year um i'm gonna let chance go on this one i know he had that that one stat about players getting what 350 carries like in a consecutive season or something like that they fell off a cliff yeah so Derrick Henry is one of the most polarizing running backs in fantasy football for me because I've done multiple studies on, you know, age where, you know, at the age 27 season is typically a running back's peak season, you know, and Derrick Henry just came off this monster season. So, you know, if history follows and Derrick Henry is going to have an extremely good 2021, 
But then 20 or when he turns 28, you know, the trend is you still have about an RB1, lower end RB1, higher end RB2 type of season. A lot of them, a lot of these running backs like Matt Forte, Adrian Peterson, oh, actually Adrian Peterson is an anomaly because he was thousand yard seasons when he was 32. But you have these uh, running backs at 28, they still have thousand yard seasons are still getting, you know, 250 plus touches. And then 29, it seems like most of them just either fell off a cliff or their production got cut in half. Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, one of the most famous uh, uh, players when it comes to this, you know, kind of study. And then Sean Alexander is another one where he broke his foot. But the, the ideology is that there is a curse of those who have 350 carries in a single year. Uh, that doesn't even count receptions or anything like that. But typically those players go on to lose 30, I think it was 37% of their production level uh, the following year, or they suffer a major injury. And so the way I look at it is these players that, you know, they saw 350 touches and then they just disappeared off of the face of the earth, really. You know, a lot of them had, you know, 250, 300 carries for multiple years until they hit that 350 carry mark. Whereas Derrick Henry has only seen 250 plus carries one other time other than 2020. And that was in 2019. Other than that, he's seen you know less than 250 carries. I think the most was like 215 and I could be completely off. I'm not looking at it right now. So kind of just throwing it out there. But I think because of age and the whole 350 carries I would be selling and I think that's kind of been my ideology going into this season if I was a Derrick Henry owner but if I'm not a Derrick Henry owner and I am looking to like to contend I think he is a good buy candidate maybe after the you know the first few weeks if we do start to see some kind of regression because Julio Jones is in there there's going to I believe, you know, they're not going to put a lot of players, defenses aren't going to put a lot of players in the box, but I do believe that Tennessee will throw more just because if you're taking on Julio's contract, you're not just going to, you know, throw less or throw the same amount. Like you have a Hall of Fame wide receiver and you're going to want to utilize him. And then you have A.J. Brown, who a lot of people are looking at as, you know, the dynasty wide receiver one that you're going to want to throw to and utilize. So I see the passing kind of go up and maybe the usage for Derrick Henry to kind of slowly go down. And then, you know, there's been a lot of hype about Darrington Evans where he's a great pass catching back. Yeah, see, Matt shaking his head. I'm the same way. No. I'm not on board. I'm not on board. I don't see anything special there, but I know a lot of people are getting on that hype train. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe with the new OC, you know, Todd Downing, maybe he utilizes Evans more. Maybe he utilizes Henry less to kind of keep him more fresh for the playoffs. Uh, either way, you know, I'm not redraft. I'm 110%. Derrick Henry is – other than CMC, like he's my 1.2 in redraft. Like I'm taking in one QB league, of course. I'm taking Derrick Henry in the first round of redraft. I'm riding him into the sunset for redraft this year. Maybe, you know, look to get him a discount next year, but Dynasty, I'm selling. Yeah. So one other thing I want to point out that I think why uh, Derrick Henry might be a good sell. Tennessee has a very bad defense. Like last year, their big issue was that they couldn't get off the off the field on third down. I believe that it was 50 50% was their that they allowed the other team to convert a third down. So you basically flip a quarter every time on third down and either they stopped them or they got it. And that, that's a very high percentage. You do not want that. Um, but now we move into 2021. They remade their entire secondary out of Kevin Byard. They Malcolm Butler's no longer there. Adoree Jackson's no longer there. I, I'm pretty sure Jonathan Cypern. I don't remember who the other starting safety was. And then they went out and they drafted Caleb Farley, who, who two years ago had back surgery at Virginia Tech. Then he opted out for a COVID season. And in a season he didn't even play, he had another back surgery. 
I don't know, was he sitting at home on the couch and he tweaked it? Like, you know, there's Caleb Farley's a fantastic player, but there's a lot of risk with him. So I feel like maybe Tennessee could be throwing a lot more this year just to be in games uh, than, than we have seen in the past. Um, but let, let, let me, let me ask these questions to you guys. Like, cause, cause I know a lot of the talk has been about the 2020 class lately. So would you trade Derek Henry straight up for Antonio Gibson? Yes. In that I would, 100%. I would, I would take Antonio Gibson in that aspect. Um, if that's yeah. what you're kind of going for hundred percent. Cause, cause I, cause I feel like they're kind of on that similar value. Like I think, I think JT is probably slightly more than Derek Henry right now. Um, J Rob is not there. Would you do Derek Henry or Cam Akers? I would, I would want, I would want more. Like, like to go back to Chance's point and redraft. I think Derrick Henry is the top, you know, three mm-hmm. running back, whatever. Like, I'm there for that. I would still you know, take, dynasty. I would still take Henry. So I have Henry coming off a championship in one of my leagues. I have Henry, and it's like a 12 year old league. Um, nobody's ever won it back to back. So I'm debating trying to ride Henry again and go back to back, or flip him. I think what I'm looking for if I flip him is him and a him and a player for a younger running back and a player. So I think if I'm getting like a cam acres, I'm pretty nervous. If I'm flipping Henry for acres straight across, I would prefer to do a two for two uh, where I'm flipping, you know, two more players and getting a little bit of more, a little bit more value on the other two players. Uh, if that makes sense. So I don't think I would trade Henry for those guys straight across, but I would welcome a package with them where we flip, you know, other pieces. What about Henry and Dobbins? Dobbins. Man, I love Dobbins. Yeah, Dobbins was my RB2 coming out of college. You know, I I had him right behind JT. So I'm still, even with Lamar and Gus, I'm still riding him into the, you know, sunset eight years from now. So I think I think the vibe that I've been getting, I think we're all kind of on the same page. Like looking at 2020 class, Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, Dobbins, uh, Swift Acres. I, I don't feel like we're saying go out and actively sell Derrick mm-hmm. Henry, but maybe poke around and see if you could package him in maybe something else for one of those 2020 guys and see if you could do something a little bit bigger. Yeah, I think that's a good way to go about it. The, the deal that I'm going to try to do, and I hope uh, he's not listening to this right now, but I'm, I'm going to try to get, we talked about Mixon last week. I like Mixon. He's still relatively young, whatever. Maybe there's in the same boat, but I'm going to try to flip him for Mixon and then flip Higgins, who I think still has a lot of value for CD lamb, something along those structure where like I'm flipping a running back. That's maybe like, you know, Mixon, I'm putting this in air quotes, has lower value than Henry, but they might be closer than a lot of people think in terms of dynasty but then maybe I can get that wide receiver upgrade like a CD lamb for, for a T Higgins, something like that. That's interesting. So let's just pretend that's one trade, which which side would you have, you know, Henry Higgins or CD lamb uh, Mixon? Yeah. So I I would take them. I like Mixon. Mixon is like a borderline, my guy this year. Um, And I'm not just saying that because Hayden Winks, you know, talked him up on the podcast last week. I I like Mixon this year and I love CD lamb. I'm taking that side. Oh, yeah, I, I think I'm. I think I'm going mixing C or CD in that. I, I just adding Jamar Chase and realistically, the only reason why Burrow had any relatively good stats was because he was throwing the ball forty point four times a game. I mean, in ten games, he threw the ball four hundred and four times. That, that's an astronomical amount, and I, I, they're because they're playing from behind the entire time. 
you know, and that's great for Higgins, but you add the competition. Burrow wasn't good on the deep ball at all last year. Um, Burrow himself had one top five finish and one top 10 finish. Everything else was outside of the top 10. So I, I just, I'm not as sold as on Burrow as, you know, most people are. Most people have him as a top 10 dynasty quarterback tied to T Higgins. So they, you know, push T Higgins up in the ranking. I don't have Burrow as my top in my top 10. And if I do, he's like number 10 or maybe borderline number 11, 12. Uh, but I, I think Higgins is overvalued. And I think CeeDee Lamb in that aspect tied to Dak Prescott, who is a proven top three. I'll, I'll go out and say it on the limb, top three fantasy quarterback, you know, year in, year out. And CeeDee Lamb's a better receiver than T Higgins. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned the deep ball because Matt brought that up last week when we talked about it. And I kind of defended Higgins, but I think Higgins' ceiling is capped. And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, the sky is the limit for CeeDee Lamb. I think he's going to be incredible and and pass up Cooper, you know, in short order. And and there's room for both of them to be great anyways with Dak, mm-hmm. like you like you alluded to. So yeah, that's that's kind of the deal. Yes, so Higgins finished wide receiver 28 last year. And now they add Chase. Do you think Higgins can finish better than 28 with Chase? Well, yeah, because I think I mean I think it's possible because again, the the 104 targets that AJ Green vacated, that that's not insignificant. And Jamar Chase will probably get a few more of those, but again, that was also with how many games of of Brandon Allen and, and Ryan Finley. And so, again, like I know, yeah, I know, seven. yeah. And I know we're questioning, you know, Burroughs D ball, but it's still better than those guys. So yeah, I think I could, I could see a world where he's still like a high end wide receiver three. AJ green had 104 targets last year. Isn't that shocking? Yeah. The dude had 47. Or, oh my God. Sorry. That just blew my mind. Like you said that. And I had to look it up for myself. Cause I just, I couldn't believe that someone, Oh my, that's crazy. I saw you wow. viciously attacking your keyboard <laughs> over there and I wasn't sure what was going on. But oh my God. That is shocking. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, let's uh, go ahead and move on to the Falcons. We haven't really uh, a chance. You alluded to kind of Matt Ryan's status, but I want to get a look, get into the Falcons offense a little bit more uh, without Julio. It's, is it Ridley and Pitts to the moon basically, or, or how are we looking at this chance? So let's start with you. Yeah, you know, Pitts is my dynasty tight end, too. I I think he'll absolutely blow up. It's kind of like I, you know, like you said, I alluded to previously, where I, I think Ridley and Pitts' value with Julio gone goes up. Because I think, you know, I, I think the Falcons' way of thinking is get rid of Julio, and then you have this tight end who you can line up outside, you know, wherever Julio would have been lining up and can be the next Julio and that kind of aspect. Um. But, you know, Matt Ryan is still just without Julio. He's been inconsistent. I mean, with Julio and without Julio, he has been one of the most inconsistent fantasy quarterbacks because he will go out one week and get you 40 points and win you a week. And the next week he'll get you six and he will make you bash your head into a wall because you thought two good weeks in a row could happen. But nope, not with Matt Ryan. Um, But yeah, I'm just kind of I'm out on Matt Ryan in 2021. You know, if he proves me wrong, that'd be great. But I just I, I see him having more floor games and his floor is very low without Julio you know his floor those 10 points or less games than his you know 35 40 point boom games I I just see it kind of the script flipping a little bit where he has more of those man games and those games that you don't want to start him rather than those games that are going to win you week by week 
Yeah, so I think Calvin Ridley's the clear-cut one here. I think he's going to dominate targets, dominate receptions, dominate yards, touchdowns, the whole shebang. Um, Kyle Pitts is interesting. I know there's been a lot of talk. Um, I wonder if that with Julio gone now, if they line him up out wide, like is he going to lose that tight end status in fantasy? Like I think I think that's a legitimate concern because if we move into 2022 and Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver – not entirely sure he's a top 12 wide receiver, not entirely sure he's a top 15 wide receiver. So there's a, there's a lot of value to be lost there. If that happens. Um, I personally don't think that he's going to line up out wide that often. I feel like he's going to be more of a inline tight end slot mismatch type of guy. Um, I think he is going to have a good year. I I'm on fully on board with what chance has to say uh, about Matt Ryan. I'm not, not big on Matt Ryan. I think I'd be looking to sell now uh, in dynasty redraft. I don't, I don't want any part of that. Um, and then as for the run game, like it's, it's Mike Davis and Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley's good. And we think Kyle Pitts is good. You know, he was good in college, but again, we still haven't seen him play down in the NFL. So there's still a lot of question marks uh, around this offense, but if you own Calvin Ridley, good, keep him. He's easily a top 10 uh, wide receiver now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to, does it matter in terms of the, the designation tight end versus wide receiver for fantasy? Does it matter how they're listed on the roster or is it just based on how many, where they it's, line up? It's based on usage. So once we get through, I don't know what the threshold is. It might even be eight games. If, if a player is lining up at a certain position, X, I don't know what the, the percentage threshold is, whether it's 50%, 60%, whatever more than the other then then they switch that designation now as for the falcons go they might still call him a tight end but in the fantasy world they will change that okay and i know i know they did it um like like with Taysom hill uh, right Taysom hill was lining up at tight end more often than he was quarterback but then when drew Brees went out and they officially named him uh, the starting quarterback that that snap percentage changed immediately, so they took that tight end designation away. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much with you guys. I'm mostly fading Matt Ryan. I like Calvin Ridley, but I'm probably not going to move him up a whole lot. Uh, I mean, he's still a tier outside of like you know the AJ Browns and and some of those I don't know top eight or nine wide receivers that are somewhat interchangeable. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited about Kyle Pitts. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about Mike Davis later, but Pitts is Pitts is going, this is the tight end three, um, like 35th overall, which is really high, but I think it's probably fair. I mean, I, I would strongly consider taking him there. In fact, I mean, he's going, let me ask you guys. So start like middle of the third round here. You got Michael Thomas, Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders, Kyle Pitts, Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, T. Higgins, Mike Evans, and then and then David Montgomery. So, like, I mean, I'm definitely taking Pitts ahead of a few of those guys. I don't, what is, do it you tight think? In, is it tight end premium? This is just – So, uh, if it's tight end pre- premium, I'm taking Pitts above all those guys. If I don't think it – If it's not tight end premium, I think Deontay would be the only one I'd take a hard look at. Maybe Mike Evans. Yeah, I think Mike Evans and Montgomery, um, I would take Pitts over, but it's just interesting to see how high he's going. And 
I mean, that's shocking for a rookie tight Does end. Does Deontay really have a third round ADP right now? Fourth, first pick of the fourth round. Wow. How far we've come since last No, summer. wait a minute. Wait. This is the grid, so I have to follow. It's like a snake format, so it's like he's the back end of round four. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, the back no, end of round I'll, four. I will take Pitts in the third, <laughs> not Deontay the third. So it's going yeah, wow. So it's going so Pitts, Godwin, Allen Robinson, Mahomes, Amari Cooper, Darren Waller. So like he's going ahead of Darren Waller, right? I mean, I'm fine with but, that just because of youth at that point. Like if you yeah. get two guys and you're like, I feel like they're going to put up similar numbers and one of them's, you know, eight years younger than the other, I, I would go with the guy with the youth. And and then we, we, you know, I mentioned this before. This is Arthur Smith's team now. This right. offense will be tailored to the Falcons' strengths. What do we think the Falcons' strengths are? It's going to be a, an efficient. It's going to be an efficient offense. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what is the strength? Like, it's. I don't. I don't know for certain that it's the passing game, because mm-hmm. you got two guys. I don't know for certain that it's the run game because you got Mike Davis. Not like saying Mike Davis is a scrub, but. I mean, what are we going into year seven now of his career? I mean, nobody's wanted him as a workhorse before. So why all of a sudden does, you know, so I don't, I don't know what what the Falcons will look like as far as offense goes. Yeah, I think that'll be, it'll be super interesting, but no doubt Pitts is going to be featured heavily. And I don't think a late third in a startup is crazy for him. So um, yeah, Pitts to the moon, I guess. Um, Let's head to Green Bay where, Aaron Rodgers is not, but Jordan Love is. How are we valuing these guys? Aaron Rodgers, a holdout of mini camp. Jordan Love, present, but maybe not good. <laughs> um, let's start with you, Matt. How are you valuing these guys? How are you looking at this situation? And, and what are we expecting from them? How to value Aaron Rodgers? I have no idea. Yeah, not that's a, a great question, right? Not, not, I, I honestly don't because it's like, I, I feel like it would be roster dependent. Like if, if you can sacrifice trading away Aaron Rodgers and you got, you know, Josh Allen and Jalen hurts or um, one of these other young burrow or two or some other guy you snagged last year, then, then I might consider trying to move Rodgers for something, you know, help, help build the team out because there's a lot of uncertainty um, surrounding him. Um, if you don't want to and want to stand pat, your team is still good with him on the bench, then, then so be it. Like, I believe he's got probably another four or five years left at least, but I do feel that there's a legitimate chance that he pulls this whole retired card, sits out 21. And then, and then we see him again in 2022. Or one thing we haven't heard from him is that he formally requests a trade that would, that would open up a, a lot of doors as well. As for Jordan Love, I mean, I feel like you have to value him as a starter as of today, um, but probably a back-end QB2 at best at the moment. Um, I, I definitely know he, he's still affordable in a lot of leagues. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier on the Discord. I, I traded a 23-1 for him in two different leagues, and, and my thought process with this was, you know, I play in two QB and Superflex leagues, so – I trade 23 one away. That's probably late because I'm consistently in the top, you know, three finishing uh, year to year. Uh, and I get Jordan Levin return. Now, 
Jordan Love is a first-round pick. Whether he's going to be good or not, we don't know. But he's going to play at some point in time, whether it's this year, next year, two years from now, what have you, he's going to play. And a starting quarterback in a 2QB Superflex League is worth at least a first. Uh, if he's uh, if he's superstar, great, on the trade. Uh, if he's mediocre at best, I can get that value back because just a top what, like QB 16? Like, what would that be? Carson Wentz? Like, I feel like in a super flex league, you would trade a late first for Carson Wentz if you needed it, right? So if that's where Jordan Love is sitting in that area, then, and I don't think he's going to get any better, I can move Jordan Love and get my first back. Even if it's a, even if it's a 2025 first or a 2024 first, I still got my first back. Um, if he's a back end uh, QB2, then I'll move him for probably a second because he's still a starter, but he's not very good. So I'll get a second back. So at worst, what my 23 one, I just moved back five, six, seven spots in the draft tops. And that's a dart throw. I'm going to take with Jordan love all day long. He's super athletic. His rushing floor gives him a higher, uh, his rushing ability gives him a higher floor. Um, and over the last 30 years, I believe the Packers have only had two quarterbacks. So Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to trust the Packers with this one that uh, they went up and got Jordan love to be the guy. Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat as Matt. I, Aaron Rodgers himself, I have absolutely no idea how to value him currently. Um, but like Matt said, if you can afford to trade him away to build the team around your, you know, other quarterbacks, you, you do that. Absolutely. I believe you do that. Uh, you know, the whole formula requesting a trade, I mean, it just seems like it's going in the complete opposite direction. And, you know, if he does sit out of 2021, he's been threatening retirement. How do we know he won't actually just fully put like that's his final gambit he sits out of 2021 he's done yeah here's an interesting thing to note about that aaron Rodgers has shown up to every single workout ever since he was a rookie in the past 17 years he's never done anything like this before so i think that's the big knocking point is that yeah he's serious yeah, hundred percent. I I don't think I don't think he will retire, but I think that is something that we everyone absolutely has to take into consideration, and that has to be if you're looking at there are three choices he plays, he gets traded, or four choices he sits out. You have to consider that he might actually retire. Uh, as for Jordan Love, I'm on this. I, 2023 first, you know, if, if I'm constantly competing and it's going to be a late first, and I know I'm out on you know John Robinson or all these quarterbacks in 2023 and stuff like that. I'll take that dark away getting a starting quarterback in Jordan Love. You know, us as fantasy analysts, we can sit here and we can judge, you know, franchises for making draft picks and trading up all day. But at the end of the day, you know, I sit in my office and I watch film and I write articles. At the end of the day, the guy who scouted Jordan Love for the Packers or, you know, the guys, they know more than I do. You know, they know more than a lot of us do. And I'm not saying more than you guys or more than some of the listeners, but they know more than, you know, probably 90% of us. And if they are willing to trade up into the, or back, or I guess they were already in the first, if they're willing to trade up to grab a quarterback when they already have a quarterback and they're kind of already risking that relationship with Aaron Rodgers in that moment in time by not grabbing, you know, another weapon for him, I think that they like him enough to roll him out and they see something in him where he can be special. So it, if the Jordan Love owner is willing to give him up for a 2023 uh, first round pick, you know, Matt, send that to me in the Scouts League. I'll take that. Uh, I'll take the 2023 first as well, because I think both sides of that win. I think that's like a good trade for both. Yeah. So here's one other thing that 
that's interesting about love, like love is a player. Okay. Jordan love is very athletic. Like he's a very, very athletic quarterback. Jordan love has very good arm strength. He can easily throw the ball 60, 70, 75 yards down the field. Those are not the questions. So if we're going to look at Jordan love, you need to look at basically I'm not now I'm not in love with Jordan love. Like I am with Jalen hurts. But the issue that you have with Jordan Love is is the accuracy consistency, and that was it's everybody's shtick about Jalen over the, you know the last four and a half games he played last year, or whatever. Moving into this year, so a lot of that has to do with one. Jordan Love didn't see any action last year. There was no preseason. He didn't get any reps with the ones, so on and so forth. The past few weeks, he hadn't gotten reps with the ones either because all the wide receivers were were holding out uh, from the voluntary workouts. So now. Here we are on day one. This is probably the first time that he's actually had legitimate reps with well, Devonta Adams uh, sat out today, but uh, legitimate reps with like Valdez Scantling and St. Brown and, and a bunch of these other quote unquote starters that the Packers have Aaron Jones. So you have to give him time. Like he's going to build that, you know, continuity with these guys. He's going to get better as we get later into the summer. Now, whether he's ready week one, you know, to come out here and lead the Packers to another NFC championship game, you know, not entirely sure about that, but he's going to get better. I think that's a good point. Cause yeah. I, I like, uh, I like Jordan love coming out just because of those skills that you mentioned. He's kind of, he's kind of like a tantalizing prospect. And I, I actually didn't hate the pick for the Packers as much as a lot of people did, but I'm a little concerned about some of the reports that he just hasn't shown anything, but you're right. That's a good point that he, he will get better, especially as he gets reps uh, with these guys. But I think I'm, I, I actually own Aaron Rodgers in our scouts league. Um, it's a super flex league. Obviously we have, I have Carson Wentz and Matthew Stafford. So I'm probably okay if Rodgers sits out, but you know, I'm, I'm obviously I could use help in, in other areas if I do decide to try and move Rogers, but I think I'm comfortable just sitting on him. I think, I think he's going to play again, whether it's, you know, he gets moved this year before the season or he does ultimately miss one season. But like Chance said, you have to consider the, 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 the possibility that he sits out and, and just, it does completely retire. But I think more than likely, he is going to get moved eventually, whether it's heading into this year or whether he actually sits out this year, retires, and then comes back next year. Um, but I think in the scouts, like I think in a dynasty league, I'm okay holding on to him and just hoping he plays again. Cause I don't know what, I don't know what realistically you're going to get back that is going to help yeah. your team that much this year. Um, you know, for the risk of taking on Aaron Rodgers right now. I also saw a note today about Aaron Rodgers that in his NFL career this far, he's made little upwards of $240 million. If you think he cares about sitting out one season, right? Nah, this is not about yeah. money. He, he does not care that he loses that money for the season. Plus he's got a state farm commercial about every 15 minutes on the TV. And then I'm <laughs> sure he's got some sort of jeopardy sponsor going on behind the scenes. So He's fine. This is he. Does, I promise you, he does not care about missing out on ten, fifteen million dollars, whatever this season would be. For sure, and I think it's it's. Uh, I heard somebody say it when this stuff all started going on, and and people were saying, "Oh, he's going to come back to the Packers," and it was like, "Hey, he the guy doesn't even talk to most of his family. You think he's just going to give in on this? Garage yeah, th- didn't he like this front me? office? Yeah." Yeah. So yeah. yeah, no, these are guys who, yeah. If you disown your family like that, you could definitely disown the guys you work with. <laughs> exactly. It's a much easier. <laughs> exactly. 
So just to backpedal real quick, because I know that there are probably some people who are thinking Matt and I are crazy for, you know, trading away a 2023 first for Jordan Love. But realistically, it's the exact same as using that 2023 first or any first round pick on another first round quarterback who hasn't seen a snap in the NFL, who might have bad reports regarding, you know, their OTAs or anything like that. For I mean, I, I spent the second round pick in last year's rookie draft or a few rookie drafts on Tua and he just came off of a broken hip like you I will absolutely use a first round pick on a starting caliber quarterback especially a young one no matter what the early reports are saying because it's the same dart throw as you know using a late first on Zach Wilson or a late first on Mac Jones you know I mean they have better draft capital than him but he still has first round draft capital to one of the you know best franchises in NFL history who is produce two hall of fame quarterbacks and i'm not saying jordan love will be hall of fame status or anything like that but i think that he will be a good quarterback in real life and a good quarterback in fantasy because he has the intangibles to do so yeah and I, ju- I just think one way to operate when you're playing it like if this is a one qb league then you can just ignore this entire conversation but yeah. in two qb and super flex leagues like I, how I always personally operate, I, I want to be in on the next quarterback because they're so valuable before they blow up. You know, last year we, we was talking about Jacob Eason. You know, he, the opportunity was there for him this summer. But, you know, it was the same thing with Jordan Love. He didn't have an offseason last year. They traded for Carson Wentz. Okay, you know, I drafted Jacob Eason in the late third and the fourth last year. You know, boohoo, I lost out on that pick. We'll move on. This year it's, you know, Jordan Love getting ahead of that. Davis Mills is another guy. Um, so Jalen hurts, even last year, if you, if you want to back that up, you know, he was the backup when he was drafted, like it's getting in on that next guy and it's all cost dependent, obviously depends on how your roster looks. You know, if you are in a rebuild, obviously I'm not going to trade a first for love or something like that, but yeah, I mean, you just want to get ahead of that because if Jordan love does pan out with his, like we've talked about his athleticism, his rushing upside, his arm strength and stuff like that. There's, there's a very real scenario where in 2023, 2024, we're talking about Jordan Love as like a top 10 fantasy quarterback. So you want to be ahead of that because you can afford him now and you don't have to give up three firsts, you know, two, two, three years from now if, if that's what he ends up being. So I know we, we obviously don't know where those 2022 or 2023 picks are going to land just yet, but hypothetically, or, or even say if you haven't had your rookie draft yet, just, I guess, just hypothetically, what are you guys willing to give up for Jordan Love, like a mid first, a late first, or even an early first, like, like just generally well, speaking for 21 or just in the future? Well, I mean, in the future, we don't know exactly where they're going to land, right. but yeah, I guess just ballpark, like general first round pick, like, would you, would you give up like what you it, think is an early first? Depends class to class. I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. giving up a late first, like the 112 this year. I'd be okay with that. But moving forward into 2022 and 2023, I feel like the, just a general rule of thumb, how you should approach every first round pick is that it's at the 108 slot, whether you're in a 10 team or a 12 team. So, you know, if you project that it's late and on top of that, you know, you're always finishing in the top three, top four consistently, like, you have a pretty good idea that it's a late first. I, I, if, but if you, if you know for certain, like you are willing to bet the farm that you have a, a top three pick or a top four pick in, in one draft, in a draft coming up, I would not trade it then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I think those, you know, 1.8 and above, the same type of dark throws on those picks, and it is Jordan Love. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what about Aaron Rodgers? I guess, what are you guys looking for? Cause you both mentioned that you, you'd probably trade him. I think I'm hanging on to him for the most part, just because I don't know that you're getting that great of a return. So what would it take for you to part with Aaron Rodgers, pick wise, or even like players just generally, like let's give the listeners kind of some context of, of what we would move him for. Are you guys thinking second round pick? Like, would you do that or, or no, he, I, okay. he's going to play again. Whether it's in 2021, I don't know. But I, I wouldn't just give him up for free. I would still want at least a first. Um, Player-wise, yeah, this is a tough one. Yeah, and it, it obviously matters. You know, roster construction, all that kind of stuff matters. But So, like, guy, so I'm looking at our consensus rankings and guys we have around Aaron Rodgers are Tannehill, Stafford, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Tua. If yeah. some, I feel like any of those five guys, if somebody's willing to trade you, Tannehill, Stafford, Fields, Lance, or Tua straight up, I would absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. But as I go further down, it's like then you get into Tom Brady. Not sure I'd do that one. Sam Darnold. Maybe. I, I think that circles back to what we talked about before. It could be part of a bigger package. Um, same thing with Zach Wilson, Carson Wentz, Winston, Daniel Jones. Yeah, I feel like if somebody's willing to take them on, you get you're gonna have to you're gonna have to package them with something because there is just an element of risk. Like, you know, I I don't want to trade away my quarterback three and in return get Aaron Rodgers because I don't know if he's even going to play this year. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or any player that, that that's on your starting lineup or, you know, your next guy up kind of thing. Yeah. I completely agree, which is why I'm, I'm probably going to be hanging on to him uh, where I own him for now. Um, let's head on over to the running back dead zone, a term that may be a little more relevant for redraft, but it applies in dynasty too. You know, you're doing a startup, you, you hit kind of a running back dead zone, which can be subjective, but, uh, for this purpose, we're going to identify it as going, uh, ADP after RB 25. I think for me, I look at where some of these running backs are going and, the ones that stand out to me, first of all, James Robinson at RB27, who I know Matt likes and is probably going to talk about, but I've questioned ETN's role on this podcast many times. I don't think James Robinson is going away. I think he's still a value at RB27. A guy that we just discussed, Mike Davis, is going as RB29, and I actually like Mike Davis, the player, which is why I'm here saying this right now i i mentioned this on the show uh with hayden but you go back to not even just last year in carolina but matt you should know in seattle in seattle what was it 2018 he had you know he had a really good year and he was he was great in the past game great running the football he just he looked like that all around back and i scooped him like everywhere i could and you know then eventually he ended up in chicago where he, he just he was basically, you know, dead. He came back from the dead in, in Carolina. So I, I think I even dropped him in a few, few places, but I'm really excited about Mike Davis in Atlanta. And I think it's a huge value getting him at RB 29, you know, even in a dynasty league. So, and we talked about Arthur Smith and, and, you know, what he did, obviously Mike Davis is, is no Derrick Henry, but 
we like the potential of, of Arthur Smith in Atlanta, I think. So I'm excited about Mike Davis there. <clears throat> Go down the list a little bit. Rojo, <clears throat> sorry, Rojo at RB34 seems low to me. I know that there's a few other guys there, including Fournette and, and Gio, but I mean, he's going after Tony Pollard, like Michael Carter, like, and Rojo is also going to be a free agent after this year, but I think he can contribute this year. I still think he's the best back of that group and in such a good offense, obviously his pass catching is suspect, but I think he can still, I mean, at RB 34, I still love that value. Damian Harris going as RB 35, right behind him. I think he's the Pats RB one. Obviously James White is returning. He's going to catch a lot of passes, but I think Harris is the favorite for that first and second down role. Ramondre Stevenson is interesting as he's kind of a big guy. He can take some goal line and short yardage work. And then Sony Michelle, I mean, there's been rumors about the Patriots moving on from him. And I just frankly don't think he's, I mean, he really lost a step with his injuries, with his knees. Uh, I think, you know, I just like Damian Harris as RB 35. I think the upside for him is a solid RB two. So I like grabbing some of those guys in that kind of dead zone. What do, uh, what do you think chance? Who do you got? Yeah. So other than the guys that you mentioned and uh, I, I've been looking at this list. So if I name someone that you named, I completely space and I'm sorry, but right at RB 26, Trey Sermon is somebody who is starting to grow on me. I think he is a tremendous athlete and at Ohio state when he, when they started utilizing him as a workhorse towards, you know, the end of the season and the, college football playoffs he was a stud he was an absolute monster on the field and it was almost Ezekiel Elliott-esque when it comes to being an Ohio State running back tearing it up in the playoffs I'm not saying their play styles or anything alike or anything like that but it just kind of gave that type of vibe except you know I didn't have to deal with Trey Sermon running all over Alabama like I did Zeke um in a Kyle Shanahan offense with a Raheem Ostert uh who seems to be injured more often than not and just kind of a running back room that is a bunch of gimps and I'm sorry if that offended anybody I don't know if that's an offensive term actually so I'm sorry if that is um Trey Sermon can be the RB1 um he can absolutely you know be that RB1 in that Kyle Shanahan offense and I think that is the most valuable asset at being RB26 is that you know if he gets a starting role and he overtakes Moser and <laughs> <laughs> you're so salty um, me yeah oh, oh dude i just don't know dude i, I gotta try to be more oh, sorry, anyways. I just can't yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't, uh, anyways for any of you listening aside, it's, a, it's a mythical term it's not bad okay yeah I, I just don't even know so I, i'm trying to be more pc on the podcast so i had to cover my bases um aside from trey sermon you know, making your way down past Damien Harris, past Moser, you know, I can't believe I am saying this. Oh, my God. Zach Moss. What? I'm not sold on Zach Moss, the athlete, but I'm sold on the opportunity he has in Buffalo because towards the end of the year, he became the RB1 and was seeing more field, more touches than Devin Singletary. I don't think he's going to be a great fantasy asset. But at RB38, I definitely think he can outperform his ADP just based off of volume alone. Uh, that's all I want to say about Zach Moss. I'm not going to take any questions at this time for him. Uh, and then last but not least, this is it's kind of shocking. You know, I think a lot of people are overlooking Naheem Hines. Uh, he was a top 15 running back uh, at overall points last season. He was top 
I want to say 25 on a points per game basis, maybe a little after 25, but going as the RB 39 with his, if his ceiling is, you know, RB 25, you're still outproducing your, he's still outproducing his ADP by, you know, 14 spots. Um, and it's just, it, it seems kind of crazy to me that he's being drafted so low considering the amount of passing work he got. And I understand, you know, Pete Rivers is, was, he loved to check down to his running backs. He loved to pass it to his running backs. But I just, I don't think that Carson Wentz is going to completely neglect passing to the running backs. And I do think Jonathan Taylor will get more re- uh, receiving work. And I do believe Hines won't have as much receiving work, but I, I don't think he's going to be faded enough to be the RB 39 overall in 2021. I just think that's kind of like absurd. And that's just people JT is being drafted as like the RB one in a lot of leagues. And they're kind of overlooking the fact that Hines is still a really good receiving back. I'm not going to lie. I stopped listening after you said Zach Moss. Um, sorry to cut you <laughs> Did off. you know? Sorry there's, to cut you like, off, man. there's like no difference between Zach Moss and Cam Akers. There's like none. Dude. <laughs> I just want to point out the Bills running backs have had 16 rushing touchdowns the last three years combined. Combined. Zach Mosses are going back, but it's Zach Moss really is the RB2 out. on his own team. And Devin Singletary's RB3 because Josh Allen's RB1. Exactly. And it's, I mean, the Ravens, All context, the Ravens had 17 running back rushing touchdown last year, more last season than the Bills have had in the last three combined. So I hear you, but I'm not really on board, Zach Moss. Matt, go ahead. <laughs> Y'all named a lot of good players. Uh, I'm, I like Trey Sermon, especially at RB26. You know, I, I agree with everything you guys had to say there. James Robinson, you know, I think I'm just going to, you know, Chad and I, we're just sinking on that ship together or we're going to float off to to a, new, <laughs> to a new team and succeed somewhere. Yep. Um, I, di- I did see your tweet. Another thing. I did see your tweet earlier. Um, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think the initial reaction w- was really strong. Like, oh, they drafted ETN, you know, they, they said goodbye to James Robinson. But, you know, like the Jags ha- don't stop talking about him. Like, I really do – I'm beginning to believe what they're saying. Like, he's actually going to be a part of this offense. Now, I'm not saying that ETN won't take over at some point, but I do believe James Robinson is going to get a lot of run, a lot of early down run here. Uh, what were you going to say on him, though? No, I, I think you're right. Um, and even if they do phase him out – Remember, he's an undrafted free agent. They only have three-year contracts, so he'll be a free agent sooner than you think. Not that you want him like sitting on your roster for two years if he's not producing, but I think he will be a part of this offense, and who knows? He might have a shot to be a workforce again in two years anyways. And in looking at the starters for all the other teams, you know, Sam pointed this out, and I kind of agree with him. You know, teams are kind of wanting a more one-two punch, you know, with the league going to 17 games and then, you know, possibly going to 18 here in the next three years or so. Um what if somebody started goes down? Like, what if Miles Gaskin goes down? What if Zach Moss goes down? What if uh, Miles Sanders goes down? What if, you know, one of these other, uh, David Montgomery, like one of these like big name guys go down, like you could trade for James Robinson, give up a fourth, you pay him 250, $300,000, whatever it is. And I mean, he easily could just exactly fill in what you need. And then if you need a passing down back behind him, which he's also very good at, but you know, I, I, th- I think he could be on, the trade block could be the, that first name that, that people call for. Um, looking down the list here, I'm, I'm starting to cool on Naheem Hines a little bit. I know what Chance was saying. Um, you know, Philip Rivers did like that 
did like to check down a lot. Carson Wentz likes to look down the field a lot. Um, and then, so if we combine Carson Wentz looking down the field and Jonathan Taylor getting more receiving opportunities, like, I just don't know how much Hines is going to get the ball anymore. So I, I definitely like him better than RB 39, but I'm not sure we see him come up to that 15 again. I think that was, mm-hmm. that was, a I, I don't think so either. Like I was saying, I think 25 on a point per game basis, he finishes like RB25 or something. I think that area is kind of a ceiling. I could see. And that's like absolute ceiling. And even then, you know, it's 14 spots higher than what he was being drafted as. That's a a good value. Um, Surprised uh, you didn't name Kenneth Gainwell here, RB44. I actually like him to finish better than this spot. Um, One of the, for obvious reasons, um, I've been keeping a close eye on what the Eagles are doing. And I think, I think Camo is going to be a sneaky kind of like Naheem Hines, I guess could creep up there in that 24, 25, 26 range um, off of PPR points. I think he's going to get a lot of work in the past game behind Sanders. Uh, then we moved down to RB 47, Gus Edwards, just uh, re-upped the deal two years, 10 million or 11 million. I believe it was. Um, he is not only a good running back and will get carry on his own, but he is probably the absolute ultimate handcuff that you could have right now. Um, if So once we're getting down here into RB47 range, like I'm seeing Madison, Gus Edwards, Daryl Henderson, uh, Tariq Cohen, Ramondre Stevenson, like those guys, like at this point when I, where I'm drafting, like I'm looking for the top tier handcuffs. If somebody goes down, the next guy up is going to see that same workload. He might not be as good – talent wise but if i can get that 60 percent snap share then then i'm all for it you know a la mike davis last year after christian mccaffrey went out and then one other guy that i'd like to point out and no i'm not a homer maybe a little bit is rashad penny at running back 56 so here's the thing with him i don't know if you guys that are listening have seen me say it on twitter or posted it in the discord if you're part of the fantasy scouts group but this is Rashad Penny's last chance. And that's just not me saying this is a Seahawks fan. Like you should go out and buy him or something like that. But if you can get him for like a late third or a fourth, I would, because there are several things we do know. One Rashad Penny is one of the highest graded running back prospects to come out in like the last 20 years. Like he's a very, very good athlete. He had a very, very good college career. Was he overdrafted? Probably. I, I was not a fan of the pick at the time, but, you know, that's what Pete wanted to do, and Pete's going to do what he wants to do. The only thing that's held him back in his career was rookie year was his ego, and then after that it was his injuries. He could not stay healthy, and the best ability is availability. We know that. But now we are going to be almost two years removed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, two years removed from a significant knee injury. He's coming into a timeshare with Chris Carson. Chris Carson was signed for, does anybody have that number? Was it two years? What? It wasn't a lot. Maybe it might've been the same thing, like two, two for 10, two for 11, something like that. Yeah, it was two years, like about 10 and a half. Yeah. But all things considered in a vacuum, if Rashad Penny and Chris Carson could both play for a full season without getting hurt, Rashad Penny is far and away the better running back. It's not even close. So 
if Penny can can stay healthy, he can take the 1A role in this offense, and then Seattle might resign him. If Penny can stay healthy and he looks good and Seattle doesn't resign him, he can go off somewhere else next year and take it and take a decent, decent role with somebody else. He's only 25. He's 5'11. He's 220, super athletic. But the only thing that's holding him back is injuries. So again, this is his last year to prove it. If he gets hurt again this year, then that that's it. I'm cutting bait. Um, but if he shows any signs of life through an entire season, then, then that's an interesting name to watch for Dynasty. Yeah, I think, I mean, yes, you are a Seahawks homer, but that's a good point. Like, he's definitely worth investing in at his cost. Um, yeah, well, I would be 56. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's insane. You look at the names going around him. Like, yeah, I mean, Marlon Mack is Marlon going Mack right behind dead him. dead man walking. And, he's and, a dead man walking. And at no point ever in the history of the NFL has a running back torn his Achilles and come back and been successful. Like, that. that's a career-ending injury. I mean, let's even the guys in, in front of in front of Penny. Let, let's look up. You got the Michael P. Ryan. Are you kidding me? What? Like he was he was irrelevant before he was drafted. Philip Lindsay, like he's he's on a roster with fourteen hundred other running backs right now. I don't. I like yeah, this no, guys up here. I don't. Chuba Hubbard, Devin Singletary, David Johnson's old James Connor. Like I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. His upside of where he's going, he's still only 20, what is he, like 25? 25. Yeah. 25, yeah. I think if he can uh, stay healthy, he he could put together, in my opinion, at least two elite seasons. Like by elite, I mean like thousand yards, ten touchdowns. Yeah, his range of outcomes is very high. But I I'm glad you touched on those handcuffs. I was gonna run through the Madison, Gus Edwards, Henderson uh kind of tier as well especially gus edwards i like him uh, i think he'd probably get more touches than a lot of people realize um and then one other name that we haven't talked about is jamal williams going as rb52 he's kind of a blotter he's not my favorite player but obviously anthony lynn likes him swift is the guy but it, it almost sounds like a you know latavius murray alvin Kamara type thing they want to do there i don't know i think jamal williams is probably going to be involved so at rb52 he's he's kind of interesting but I would agree that Swift is the guy, but I promise you there will be many times this year where we are sitting on the couch yelling at the TV, put Swift in so he can score the touchdown. Like it's just going to be just a lot of frustrating moments like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're we're going from free Aaron Jones to free DeAndre Swift now. It's it's the Jamal Williams curse. Yeah, it really is. That's a good way to put it. But you know, at the end of the day, like because he's a really good football player, but he's not good enough. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Right. Totally. And he's a guy that, you know, you, you can play him in a pinch, basically, you know, if you have to for those types of situations. So he's not a guy I'm like targeting, but at RB52, he's a guy you can play in a pinch. Um, I also think looking down here at the very, very bottom, RB66, Giovanni Bernard, I think he's going to finish way higher than that. But mm-hmm. you got Fournette and Ronald Jones basically splitting the carries. Giovanni Bernard, there could be three or four series where he doesn't even come off the field just because the Patriots are throwing the Patriots wow the Bucks are throwing <laughs> uh because that was Tom Brady's biggest thing last year was like I need someone who can come out of the backfield and catch and they went and got him for this purpose so I think he's gonna finish way higher than RB66 I'm not sure I like him in Dynasty but for redraft it'd be like the superb RB3 interestingly enough in in Dynasty he's going one spot after our beloved Keyshawn Vaughn 
Yeah, but why? Like Keyshawn <laughs> Sean Sean might, get, cut, might not even be on the roster. No, I know. Yeah, I he's, he's gonna get cut. Yeah, I think that's a strong possibility. Um, all right, fellas, any last names you want to mention? I think we covered quite a bit there. Yeah, there's quite a good list of names there. I don't know who's being drafted after Carry On Johnson, but if they're if Carry On's being drafted before them, they can't be worth mentioning. Yep, that's about where uh, the list cuts off at. All right, that's going to do it for our show. Uh, we'll be back next week. Remember, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. A lot of great work uh, still coming out every day. Uh, go check it out if you're not signed up. Give us a, give us a sign up there and, and let us know what you like or don't like. Um, but I, I think you're going to like it. So patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. And we'll be back with another podcast next week on the fantasy scouts where we bring inside info you won't get anywhere else. Thank you.